Well, I was going to say good evening, good morning. I don't know what came out. Everything just stopped. Hello, everyone, and welcome to <laughs> a uh, hello, Mark. episode. Hello, Mark. <laughs> welcome to another episode <laughs> of Between Two Sundays. Uh, that's Mark. I'm Mark, and we're marking the middle of your week. Oh, we'll see what I do there by chatting about the readings we've just lived out on, the readings we are entering into for these coming, well, the Sunday gone and the Sunday to come in the revised common lectionary. We are trucking through year C. We have about one or two weeks left in year C, and then we are into year A again. What I mean, again, we haven't even done year yeah. A yet. This, we've only done year C. <laughs> anyway, which is bizarre because this is season one and we're doing year C. Oh. My yeah. OC, my OCD is really struggling with that. But anyway, we will live. <laughs> we will live. Very good. So as always in the first part of the program, Mark and I share a bit about what stuck with us from last week's readings uh, and what we mm. carried with us and what we reflected on. Last week was the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, and we had readings from Haggai uh, chapter 1, Psalm 145, 2 Thessalonians 2, and the Gospel was Luke 20, um, from verse 27 to verse 38. Uh, what what have you carried, my friend? Well, after our discussion last week, how could I not carry our discussion on the um, Gospel reading? Okay. Um, this idea that... Um, for um, for to him that is God, all are alive. Um, of course, I've been thinking about um, many of my heroes in the Celtic saints and, um, and and many in the Catholic Church as well, but particularly um, in the in the Celtic saints world, how they really did live in this. I want to say enchanted, but I don't mean, I, I mean bigger, this, this bigger universe where, um, where where those who had passed on already were not so much no longer, but were still part of that cloud of witnesses, um, th this sense of expectation that God could um, that, that God was doing more than they could possibly, possibly see. Mm. And um, it, it took me back to, um, I, I'm a little bit of a fan of um, a Celtic liturgy, which is um, one of the prayer books that I tend to use. And um, I, I thought I might look at the prayers for those who died as a result of um, pondering, pondering this. Um, and I was really struck by um, uh, not only this notion of um, that, that, and we've discussed this a number of times, that we might ask those who have died to pray for us, like we might ask someone who was living to pray for us um, in the same sense. Um, but actually they're praying for mm -hmm. the peace of this cloud of witnesses. Um, so I thought I might simply read one or maybe two of these prayers. Sure. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. For those who have died, 
Heavenly Father, help us to entrust our loved ones to thy care. When sorrow darkens our lives, teach us to look up to thee, remembering the cloud of witnesses by whom we are encompassed. And grant that we on earth, rejoicing ever in thy presence, may share with them the rest and peace which thy presence gives. Amen. And then this second one. O Father of all, we pray to thee for those we love but see no longer. Grant them thy peace. Let light perpetual shine upon them and in thy loving wisdom and almighty power work in them the good purpose of thy perfect will. Amen. Um, for me, there's, this, is, this is arguing that there's a two-way relationship. Um, that it's not just them praying for us, but us praying for them. They're still part of our universe. They're still part of our journey. Um, and I find that baffling and hard to get my head around it um, on a whole lot of levels. But there's something um, there's something quite attractive about this. Um, and and quite consistent with what we read in the gospel reading last week. Um, if if all are alive to God, and we are alive to God, um, what, what does it look like for us to live consistently with that idea? Um, and and I, I I do want to put a bit of a footnote in this, and that is that these prayers. Um, are prayers of mourning at the same time. They're prayers of loss and of grief. So they're not heartless prayers that are saying nothing's happened when a body ceases to live who we love. Um, these are actually deeply heartfelt um, prayers that are not detached from the sorrow of loss, but actually deeply and continually engaged with it. I really like something you said before uh, about how the Celtics was, or, and other people, mystics and mm. so on, were seeing things differently. And it really does or really should make us aware of the fact that uh, our worldview maybe mm. is a little bit more smaller and narrow than it could or should yeah. be. That broadening our worldview and our understanding of what that looks like um, mm you know this this sort of understanding really should broach that um and of course there's there is a physical loss that's involved yes. and i think because uh we predominantly experience the world rightly or wrongly um, predominantly as physical beings we do neglect spiritual things we do neglect mm. things that are uh, a little bit less visible a little bit less material we um to the point of where many of us even within christian circles and within other religious circles would um you know talk them down uh would refuse to discuss yeah. them even to the point in some place some people would say you can't talk about that that's heresy and yet mm. our scripture uh speaks to these things uh quite strongly and i'm not talking about heaven and hell I'm talking about the existence of spirit, soul, however you want to understand it or talk about that, who we truly are at our core, 
Mm. Um, if we can believe that Christ was in the the Logos was in the beginning with God, mind you, and I this is why I think it's important we read it well. The term John used there was not anything to do with either Judaism or the Christian faith. It had to do with ancient Greek philosophy. Mm. But this logos, this force, this energy that's the life of the universe was there from the beginning um, and became flesh and then returned to what? Uh, and again, as I said last week, I struggle with the idea that it's a fleshly resurrection, bodily resurrection, yes. But what mm. does that body look like? Because uh, it certainly <laughs> doesn't act like a body and it certainly doesn't yeah. res resonate like a body. So um, this idea that we need to broaden our understanding and broaden our vision, um, um, I think, is really, really important and something that, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, certainly last week and, and very much the, the triumph of All Hallows Eve, All Hallows Day and All Souls Day yes. really should awaken us, uh, us too. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, even things like the, um, uh, the Day of the Dead in um, Mexican tradition, in the South American tradition, these these sort of ceremonies and festivals they're, they're all linked <laughs> there's, mm. there's something within those where there's yes. this, this insight that's beyond what most of us carry and i think yeah. it would do us well to really think about that not to mention the fact that uh, as a benedictine memento mori um you know remember you are gonna die is mm. one of the direct things about uh that that uh, St. Benedict gives us to help us remain humble. Mm. Um, remember the day, yes. that the one day you're going to die. Um, and there's a lot that we can use with these things um, mm. to not be morbid, but to help mm. us live better and more fully. Mm. So I, I really enjoyed our conversation last week. And if you missed that, go back and have a listen. Mm. Uh, and uh, towards the end, we talked about that gospel reading and really had a good discussion about that and, what we've talked about now will probably pair with that. Uh, I, I really got um, stuck into this Haggai chapter one passage. Oh, right. yep. um, and in particular, this idea that um, two things that, that I carried with me. One was the, the whole shaking thing. We, you know, that uh, for thus as the Lord of hosts, once again, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth. And we talked about yes. the, the, the image that, you shake a tree and all the good fruit comes out of it. And like God was pulling all the good fruit from all over the earth to come and be together, uh, calling all good things, which is technically everything, uh, to be together. But the other thing that stood out in partnership with that was that word prosperity in um, Verse 9, the latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give prosperity. But just we're understanding yeah. that the word that used was shalom, shalom. Um, so yeah. peace and wholeness, and thinking, you know, what does that look like when God shakes all of the wonderful things out and brings them all together, um, what that peace and wholeness and welfare and soundness looks like? Um, and the other thing I got to thinking about was, well, if we can translate that word as prosperity, mm. then what does prosperity look like? And to understand that prosperity belongs to or should belong to all mm. and that prosperity is well beyond having some sort of financial 
means or some big house or some flashy car that prosperity is about peace and wholeness within. So true prosperity, um, what is that and where does that come from? And as always, not many full answers and lots of great questions to ponder mm. in response to that. So I, I really enjoyed chewing on the other end, basically. The questions <laughs> are a noble pursuit in themselves, my friend. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, on that note, that's the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. We now are entering into the 23rd this coming Sunday, and our readings are from Isaiah 65, verses 17 to 25. And the response to that, uh, rather than being a psalm, uh, is a canticle out of Isaiah chapter 12. Uh, mm. The uh, New Testament reading is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 13, and the Gospel, Luke 21, verses 5 to 19. As always, the links to uh, the Revised Common Lectionary on the Vanderbilt Library website uh, below, and you'll be able to click on that and find not just the readings, but all the other wonderful resources that Vanderbilt has there to uh, support those pieces of art and all sorts of stuff. Um which is a really, really good resource. Yeah, great resource. Okay, as always, uh, hmm. how do you want to tackle this one? What do you reckon? Um, I really don't mind. Let's work our way forward again. Sure. sure. <laughs> All right. Isaiah 65. Hmm. Um, it's interesting, you know, I started reflecting on this, and of course, I'm about to create a new heavens and a new earth, and suddenly you're thinking end of time, which, by the way, preempting, that's the way a lot of people understand our gospel too, yeah, um, yeah. which we'll talk about when we get there. Um, what's interesting about this, though, is that if you, again, th this is why Lectio Divina as an exercise is brilliant. Um and I don't know about you, but it's in my planning for what we're going to share when we come into our recordings, uh, I'll spend some time on in Lectio on the readings, and then I'll do a little bit of study around them as well. And uh, the Lectio thing is so valuable. It always has been, you know, a long-term Lectio uh, practicer. But Lectio is interesting because when you actually take the time to stop and read and ponder, particularly readings you've read time and time and time again, you suddenly realise things that you didn't realise were there before and it can change everything. And this passage was no different. Uh, I'm about to create a new heavens and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered or come to mind. But in verse 18, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create. So he's talking about about to create, but says what I am creating. So we've got this ongoing present tense thing happening where the new heavens and the new earth are in the process of being created. So this is not something that uh, Isaiah is sharing, hearing the voice of God, that, you know, there's going to be a boom end and boom, there'll be this new heaven, new earth. This is something that's happening now. Mm. Uh, there's a new heavens and a new earth being created now. So this is not about some eternity in the sense of stop, start again. This is something that's happening as we speak and was something that was happening as Isaiah spoke because Isaiah used the term what I am creating. 
So it was happening then, and it's still happening now. Uh, and it's interesting because it goes on to talk about um, the one who dies. So, again, this idea that we have eternity happening and there'll be no more death and yeah, 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 and all that other stuff that you see in Revelation, which I think could be a little bit out of context, but that's another day. But here in this new heaven and new earth that's being created right now, um, there is going to be death. Sure, mm. Certainly people will live longer. Someone who dies at 100 will be considered a youth. But there's still going to be death. That's worth considering and pondering. Yeah. Um, it also talks about we're going to build houses and we're going to plant vineyards. But the difference here is, is that you're not going to build a house and someone's going to come and slam you and kick you out of it and live in it and not someone else come and steal the goodness of the fruit of your crop. Mm. You'll live in it and you're going to eat the fruit of it. So this is really talking about this rebuilding of Jerusalem. Mm. And so this new heaven and new earth, that language that's being used, is not about something that's somewhere else. This is about the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of the city, a city in which this is going to be uh, the way people will live, the, the, the goodness and the wholeness and the shalom, to use the language from last week's reading, are going to be present there. Um, the peace, the kingdom of God, now it's now. Jesus said the kingdom of God is now, is with you. Um, and there's this proximity as well. Before I call, uh, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. So there's mm. this sense of God reminding them that I'm not going to be far from you. I will be there so much so that before you can even finish a sentence, I'll have a response. And so this to be read as a what's going to happen when we die or what am I going to be yes. going to when I kick yes. the bucket and leave this spaceship? That's We're not even heading there. This is something that's happening now, and this is the same stuff Jesus was trying to awaken people to during mm. his ministry, that the kingdom of God is here, it is now, that God is doing a work where it is on earth as it is in heaven, um, and that we play a part in helping that come about and to be built and created and that we can enjoy the fruits of that, not tomorrow, not in 10 years' time or 100 years' time or whenever it is we cark it, but we can enjoy the fruits of the fullness of this new heaven and new earth right now. This is a call from Isaiah to be awakened to what God wants to do in the rebuilding of the city, and it matches the call that Jesus had on living into the kingdom of God because it's right here in front of us right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think you, you've nailed it a, a couple of times there in your the language you've used. This is about what God is doing. Mm. Um, and if we can read this passage with an openness to that and allow it to form our imagination of what God is doing, to form to inform our perspective on this the upshot is this is all also what we should be participating in yes we we are invited to participate in what god is doing um to put it in gospel language we are invited to follow jesus um so i, I always get a little 
distressed when I hear people saying, um, you know, God is um, God is about to destroy the earth and build a new one, so I don't have to care for creation. Um, I don't have to seek to bring about justice. It's all about to it's all about to end. Um, yet here there is um, a distinct continuity, especially in the in the language you have brought in, but also in the imagery used here. So you've talked about created and creating. So there's this ongoing sort of um, there's this ongoing working in creation in this particular passage. Um, but, but the changes made are so fundamental um, that, that, that the, the glory of what God is doing enables us to um, not forget because it's been destroyed, but to, be, to enter into this celebration of the new reality that God is making. And that's, that's exactly what we get to. I mean, any, um, any scientist will tell you that actually lions can't eat straw. Um, and, and, and rather than being a bad image, I wonder if this is a consistent image around um, God changing the very nature of creation. Mm. Um, any scientist will say, look, a, a, a lion's intestine is not long enough for it to actually di digest the, um, the to, to take nutrients out of straw. It, it needs to do that out of meat. It's built that way. Um, and, and here, if we, if we take this consistent language of God creating and moving uh, um, towards a new heaven and a new earth, um, we, actually, we, we can actually live with that image at the end, um, that God is making all things new. And this shalom is going to be the essence of it. And, and, and rather than being just nice information for us, I think the challenge here is, okay, so how do we get on board? How do we participate in what God is doing? Um, if God is renewing everything, if, if God looks upon creation and says it's that good, not that I'm going to scrap it and start again, but I, that I can build from here, um, what does it look like for us to participate in that? Mm. And surely it doesn't look like us saying, you, you know, creation is ours, we can do whatever we want with it. Um, it, it actually looks like us working. I mean, I mean, my other question with this passage is, um, especially the way you've described it, is where does the idea of evolution fit into this? Um we're saying God is constantly creating here and creation is becoming better and better and better and bigger and bigger and bigger. What does it look like? Why are we arguing with the scientific insights that people have with, to be fair, our limited understanding of the world? Um, so I'm not saying we know everything or that scientists know everything. There's plenty of learning going on for all of us. Um, 
But what does it look like for us to say, actually, God is constantly creating? This makes it pretty easy for me to live with the idea that things are changing. Um, it even makes it pretty easy for me to live with the idea that things are changing and getting better. Yes. Um, rather than necessarily getting worse. Um, so I, I find this ridiculously intriguing. <laughs> what is this passage? What are these questions this passage is raising for us? And, and what does it look like for us to actually live with this rather than say, oh, that's interesting or that's too hard to understand and just put it aside? But what if God is constantly creating and, um, and we live in the middle of that? Mm. What does it look like for us to participate, support, be part of that recreating of everything? Well, then there's another curveball that the response from Isaiah 12, the Canticle Isaiah 12 throws in because if we're in this process of being in the midst of God creating this mm. uh, ongoing present tense, that there's a proximity, that there's a work going on, that there's uh, an ability for us to enjoy it now. We don't have to wait till later. We can actually enjoy it as it is being rebuilt and as it is coming together. The terminology of Isaiah 12 is that this is salvation. Yes. Yes. And I find that yes. beautifully intriguing. Yes. And I find it so much more interesting than uh, I need yes. my sins forgiven. Yes. Um, yes. Because it sounds to me here, uh, and this this is a curveball, and I thought there's a lot of Christian thinking going on about this right now as we speak um, in, you know, the scholarly world of you know theology and, and so on but this concept of the idea that salvation is something that is given to all with no uh no conditions no agenda no barrier that god's yeah. salvation of all has been part of god's agenda of all time and that the very act of creating a new heaven and a new earth that we are in the midst of that we're asked mm. to participate in being involved in that that redemption even to use that word of the world of our participation and being made in the image of god and participating with god in that action that redemption of our of our being to want of a better term learning to live as we're meant to live that is what salvation is yeah. and we limit um, the definition of salvation, if we say it's just about having my sins forgiven so I can mm. get a ticket to a bye-bye yeah. pie in the sky. Uh, I loved that verse, and I and you will draw with joy the person who's writing this will be will draw waters from the well of salvation. There is a mm. thirst you've got, this is gonna be quenched, mm. and it's the wells of salvation, this wholeness, this peace, yeah. this shalom. Uh, I have a sense that this is going to be the thing that I'll be pondering mm. well into next week yeah, uh, like after that. Sunday. I love mm. I love the wholeness yes. of this. Um, you know, perhaps what I meant before was is that 
we've got this very narrow view of salvation. But these two readings from Isaiah, and in particular Isaiah 12, busts us out of that and says, no, 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 salvation has got to do with way, 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 way more than just sin. You know, there's that uh, people often talking about um, Jesus' use of um, the Hebrew scriptures when he taught on the day when he read from the scripture, um, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, um, recovery of sight to the blind, so on and so on and so on. And quite often we say, you know, what is good news to X? That's Mm. what we're meant to bring. That's literally what this is. It's broad enough that you have to say, if you're uh, uh, an Indigenous person, what does salvation look like? Well, Mm. salvation looks like the return of your land to you. Salvation looks like the ability for you to connect again with country. Salvation looks like reparations being made for the damage and hurt that's been caused to your culture or even for the total destruction in some places of that culture that is salvation and there's a rebuilding of that that needs to go on and we need to participate in that i need to participate in that in that particular instance as somebody who's not indigenous to my the country where i am um i need to be a part of that rebuilding the part of that peace the part of that shalom um and that is how salvation comes about Mm. um it comes about not just by God clean sweeping everything, but by God activating in us that desire to be a part and participant in that shalom, that salvation, that that fullness of that word coming about. These two readings have so much in them. Mm. Um, You'd be hard-pressed to use any of the others if they're the two that you grab to use on (laughs) Sunday, I think. The... um, um... The, the bringing of salvation into the now, um, I, I think, is very dangerous and threatening and calls calls for a deeper level of faith than to just project it out into a future beyond um, how we know the world now. Um, so we've and that's and that's been the temptation for many parts of the church is to push salvation out. Um, removed from the here and now into some kind of future state. And it's my suspicion is that makes it very safe. You know, mm. it's something we can talk about, but it doesn't actually impact the way I live. I was going to say, it, um, it, it, if I'm called to bring shalom into someone else, well, that means maybe my shalom is going to be disrupted. So. Yeah. I'll press it out for another time rather than saying, can we find yes. a, a condition that's going to be shalom for everybody? Yeah. Not yeah. just I'll that's hold right. on to mine and somebody else will have to deal can with we it. Be, can we be working yeah. towards this? Yeah. 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 I, um, I had coffee with someone yesterday afternoon and um, she works with, um, well, she councils meet with meets with on a regular basis um people who are struggling with drugs so the courts every now and again will assign someone to her or her company um and um and they'll have to you know as part of their court orders they might get you know 50 sessions with 50 conversations with this person um you need a big definition of salvation to say that's 
important. Yes. You need a bigger definition of salvation than, you know, celestial fire insurance after, um, you know, everything has been incinerated. Yeah. Um, well, what we're, what we're talking about here in both these Isaiah readings really is a continual creation rather than this cutting off at some point, which which enables us to say all of this is rubbish, all of this doesn't matter. Um, I, I, I think you need a bigger understanding of what God is doing if you're to invest in people the way this person I, I met with yesterday does. Um, and it's the same with anyone who um, cares for creation. Um, be that, you know, caring for rainforest or lions in the desert or whatever. Um, you know, any of, any of us who are going to um, enter into making the world a better place really has, you, you really have to have a view of God's not just about to destroy this and then start again. Um, but rather God is building, and so I'm going to contribute as well. And for those of you who might be thinking, yeah, but doesn't Revelation say there's a new city coming out of the sky and, you know, it'll sure. finish, and then it, God, that's where God's building now. No, no, yeah. we go back to the Isaiah 65 reading. There's houses being built that we can inhabit now, mm. Mm. that there are vineyards being planted that we can eat of their fruit now. There's a proximity to God that is happening now. This is not yeah. future, as we keep saying, this is not future language. This is ongoing, yeah. present tense. Um, and we, we have to be really careful not to take yeah. imagery from somewhere else and try and stick it on this and push it out, particularly yeah. when, as we say, part of the reason why this ongoing present tense is important is that we have an active participatory role to play in it. I don't even know if participatory is the word. Um, participation <laughs> in it is now. Uh, I make up words all the time. I could probably cram my own dictionary. But um, <laughs> but, but we, we are a part of it now. And I think yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, of the yeah. building of it, not just of mm. the enjoying it, part of the building and the rebuilding. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think this, as you pointed out, has a lot to say yeah. about justice, which is an interesting segue into the Thessalonians reading. Um, because I, I think, think this, this is a reading about justice. It's a reading about justice, but it's also a reading about work, which we've been discussing already. Yeah. Um, how do we contribute to what God is doing? And Paul is deeply frustrated at the thought that there are people who are sitting around um, and there's every possibility that this is not just laziness but it could be that it's an understanding that god is coming soon yeah. going to destroy all that all that is and give us a place in heaven so why do i need to contribute because it's happening now yeah <laughs> and, and you're exactly, right and that's the, exactly right. i know that you know, if you do not work, you shall not eat, has been bandied around, certainly by people mm. on the right of politics quite a lot, as to say we shouldn't have social welfare, uh, yeah. we, sh we shouldn't be supporting people. Um, mm. 
but what if this has got nothing to do with that sort of work? Yeah. And everything to do with the work and participation now mm. in the building of God's kingdom. And basically mm. maybe what Paul is trying to point out here is that we can only eat of the fullness of this if we're actively participating in it. And when I say the fullness of it, not that it's denied to us, but yes. you'll never properly see it and never fully enjoy what it's about unless you're participating. Yes. Um, you know, th there's a huge difference between idleness and social mm. justice. I think that's another important thing to point out from this. Um, yep. This is not a scripture or passage that should be used to say that we shouldn't be supporting and assisting those who are unable to find meaningful work. And I use that word meaningful on purpose. Yeah. The idea yeah. that somebody should do whatever they can um, to make yes. ends meet. Look, I understand that for many of, or some for many people, that's the situation that they find mm. themselves in. But I think it behooves us as human beings to work together to ensure that every person finds meaningful work that gives them the opportunity to participate and function as there's that participation again yeah. in the fullness of society. Yes. Um, and listen, I personally know people. We have at our school, we have people who, who clean. Um, and I've had some fantastic conversations with those cleaners. The idea that people who have cleaning jobs have got them because they're hoping for the next best thing to come along is not entirely true. I know people who love what they do. Mm. Who, and who do it with such um, pride yes. and yeah. uh, wanting to do the very best work they can because they take great pride in the section they've been given to to take mm. care of. They see it as participating in the education of the students uh, in the school where I am because without a clean environment, it's not going to be an environment mm. conducive to good learning. So, you mm. know, I think uh, we kid ourselves if we think that there is, um, yeah, uh, you know, that it disparages someone. But yes. again, there's a, there's a story sorry. I ne I need to tell a story here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> there's a I, I don't know I don't know how true this is, but there's certainly a story around that um, the the president when NASA was trying to put a man on the moon, where, when America was trying to put a man on the moon, they had this massive team all working towards it. The president came to visit and walked in, and there was a man sweeping the floor who we would all call a janitor. And um, the president came up to him and said, um, what is your role here? And this man answered, Mr. President, I'm participating in putting a man on the moon. <laughs> Isn't that That's a fantastic great. story? Isn't yeah. That a, just, just fantastic perspective. I think that's, I mean, that's... Um, that's how I feel with God. That's uh, when I sit down and have a conversation with someone, um, which is kind of my job. Um, I'm really, I'm thinking, I'm doing God's work, but really, I'm just trying to discover what that work is. I'm just trying to discover what's going on in this person's life, what God is doing in this moment. Yeah. Um, I feel like this, you know, ant on an elephant. And where and what's you know the claim is where we're crushing it. Um, it. It's just you know we're just invited to 
put our work alongside God's work. And God's work is so much bigger. It'll always be so much insanely bigger. But God's grace is so big that he's saying, come and participate with me. Come and be part of it. So this I is, think, sorry, go. Salva, this is salvation, I think. Yeah. Um, the, the experience of salvation. And I know that. I know we've talked about salvation so much as, you know, this something projected off into the future, but we've forgotten that it's actually something to live. Mm. It's actually a reality now. Yeah. This is where, this is where I think in the Gospels we're very reluctant to, um, to interpret. We, we um, so the term for, used for salvation and for healing are the same thing. Um, but so when we when we read of a healing, we talk about, you know, we read a healing story and the person was healed. Um, but when we read a, a spiritual story, we talk about salvation. Um, and it's actually us doing this. The, the Gospels don't do this. The Gospels have this wonderful overlapping term that tells us that it's all the same. And when Jesus heals someone, salvation is coming into this moment. Yeah. Um, well, that's exactly and, what we were saying before. What does is, what is salvation look like? What does freedom, or what is the good news yeah. to this person, this person, this person? It's going to be different yes. for each one. Yes. But each one yeah. brings the same thing to that person as it does uh, yeah. to the other. It's like... Uh, and will require talking... a, an extraordinary humility as we go into relationships. If salvation is different for everyone in that oh, sense... Yeah. If that is the case, we have to go. If we are, if we think we're spreading or working with God in this salvation that's different for everyone, um, we've got to go in with tremendous humility. Um, the the arrogance that I know what everyone needs is pretty alarming in that in that scenario that you are suggesting. That is a pretty alarming space to be. You know, I know what salvation is and it's exactly the same for everyone and it's going to look, you know, it's going to look identical. Here are my, here are my, here's my sort of trotting off the description of it. Um, and I, and I'm, it's not going to change because of who I'm talking to or, um, the capacity of the person I'm talking to or the experience of the person I'm talking to. I think that's, it's just a bit small. And very small. And yeah. it, the image that came to mind when we were talking before was you can imagine someone sitting in a prison cell and someone busting the door open for them and them saying, it's okay, I'm just going to stay here Yeah. Uh, till later on. Uh, yes. I don't know anybody who'd been stuck in a prison cell who if the door was left open, they'd just stay there. Yeah. Um, they're going to bust yeah. out of there and they're going to live their best life now. And yes. this is this is what being, you know, what salvation is all about, the fullness mm. to live your best life now. And if that means you need food, then that's a part of the salvation. If that means you need um, a, a, an emotional healing, yeah. a physical healing, then that's going to be part of your salvation. If, yes. if it's about reconciliation, if it's about reparation, if it's about you name it, if it's about being made whole, that's what it's about. And this passage really speaks to the importance of not being idle. 
Um, mm. Because mm. if you do not work towards yeah. this, then you're not going to be able to eat the fruit that comes from it. Not because you, again, not because you're barred from it, but because yeah. you need to actively participate in order to be open to it. I mean, you think about people who would not respond to salvation in that sense. They're never going to mm. see it. They're never mm. going to understand what it's like to go and serve the homeless in a soup kitchen uh, and yeah. to be there yeah. to support them and to help someone find a job or, uh, you know, to sit around with some Indigenous elders and hear their stories and, and, and uh, you know, resonate with their story and, and, and feel their pain and their tears. This, that's the fruit. That's mm. the, that's the yes. eating. That's the eating. Yes. And the yes. work that's involved so you're able to eat is about getting alongside those people, being there with them, supporting them and helping that salvation to come about. So, mm. you know, this Second Thessalonians passage, if you're breaking it down this week, maybe this is not a passage to pull apart in terms of, you know, going to your job from nine to five. But this yeah. has got something to do with participating in the building of God's kingdom now on earth as it is in heaven so that we can actively enjoy the fruits of that, not me, mm. but us. Yes. That yes. I work in this not for my sake but for all our sakes. Again, coming back to the conversation that I know we've had a few times and it's been one of my bugbears for many, many years about this movement away from we to I that's happened mm. within uh, the yeah. Christian the Christian yeah. church. And I, I think we've done ourselves a huge disservice because every move of God, I believe, and I think it was Richard Raw who said this, every mm. move of God um, is from I to we. Mm. Um, yeah. And if God is moving yeah. in bringing salvation, that's not for my sake, it's for our sake. And I need mm. to be actively a part of that. Wouldn't that be so? That, that salvation would look so different at the point yeah. that we said that to ourselves. <clears throat> uh, and, and you, you really could work for for us. Um, it's not it's not going to be restricted to uh, a telling of the gospel so that people respond in a certain sort of formulaic way. It's going to include that and be bigger. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah. Tell me what you found in Luke 21. Bookends. Ah, yes. And I've like learned it. that bookends are dang important. So once oh, again, yes. this is a passage that That's most people would read and go, well, when someone was speaking in the temple, they were saying how mm. beautiful the stones were and stuff. And Jesus says, as for these things uh, that you see, the day will come when not one stone will be left upon another and all be thrown down which a lot of people would say, oh, he's predicting the destruction of the temple. Yes. May yep. Maybe, maybe. Yep. But then something interesting happens. They say, teacher, when will this be and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? Now, that's bookend one. So that's the front bookend, right? <coughs> Jesus then goes on to have a very interesting conversation about, wars about people claiming the time is now about uh, earthquakes and famines and plagues and all sorts of stuff to the point where i personally know people who will pull out the newspaper and they'll get their bible beside it and they'll be trying to work out where we are in the end times um as if you can track it 
through these things. But a couple of things. First of all, uh, I'm not entirely, con or I'm not even aware that there were famines and plagues and earthquakes and stuff like that that happened before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Yeah. Not that caused yeah. it, but just were happening yeah. in the world at that time. I don't know. Um, maybe there were. I haven't heard about it, and I've been could studying very, this stuff for very some easily time. Be, it could very easily be deeply symbolic. Language. And I would, I would have, I would have thought that if it actually was an actuality, I would have heard yes. about it by now in my research. So yeah. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying, as far yeah. as my understanding goes, didn't. <clears throat> so yeah. this is this is the first little red flag about taking mm. this too literally. The second one is this: um, is that he then goes on to talk about uh, persecutions and being turned over and being. Um, uh, turned in and betrayed um, and you know you're going to have to uh, have a defense prepared and I'm you don't worry about it I'm going to be there to, to go and some of you are going to die and you're going to be hated but then verse 18 says something interesting but not a hair on your head will perish say what you just said some of us are going to die yeah yeah and yet not a hair on our head will perish mm. okay so Bookend one, look at this temple, Jesus, in this beautiful, look at these stones, these gems, look at how beautifully adorned it is. Jesus says, this thing is going to be destroyed. I'm not necessarily convinced that Jesus was even needing to predict the destruction of the temple. Mm -hmm. I don't think that even matters to what Jesus is trying to say here. And the reason why I think that is bookend number two which is verse 19 by your endurance you will gain your souls now just put your finger on that word souls for a sec and just hold look at this temple jesus where we worship where we come to engage and experience connection with god isn't it beautiful and jesus says there is going to come a day when this place is going to be mm. totally unnecessary to the point where it's going to crumble to bits. Now, when will that day be? Let's skip over the middle just for one second, go to the end. That will be the day when you learn to endure and that through that endurance, you will gain your soul. Now, that word soul is suke, which means um, the vital breath or breath mm. of life, which is why some translations will have by your endurance or by your patient endurance or by standing firm, you will gain your life. That's why some of them translate it as that. What's interesting is that that word in the Greek, suke, which is where we get psyche from, um, in uh, the uh, Hebrew scriptures, it's the same word that the equivalent of that is phago, um, P-H-A-G-O, which is the word that's used for soul, which is this, get this, the direct aftermath of God breathing life into a person. Now, what's interesting about it is this, and I'm repeating myself, but I'm help, hoping to no, uh, build right. a picture of this. It's good. Look at this temple, Jesus. Look how beautiful it is, how arrayed it is. Look at the gemstones, the artwork, whatever else is in there. And Jesus says, there's going to come a day when not one stone will left on top. It's all going to be thrown down. When will that day be? Right? The day will come when there's all this stuff happening in the world. Now, let's just remember this type of stuff 
Jesus could be describing any era in history. <laughs> I mean, come on, wars. Yes. We're yes. really good at that as human beings, right? All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, famines, plagues, everything else. I mean, Jesus could be describing any place at any given time in history. So what's he going on about? He's talking about here's this world where calamity seems to find its way in. But if you can stand against that, if you can endure it, if you can stand firm, then you are going to gain the vital breath of life into your person and when you do temples are unnecessary why because you have awakened to the fact that god's spirit dwells in you that you are the temple of god yes this is not so here we are something's happening in the end time here we are encountering salvation again absolutely um this Absolutely. is what, and and it is and it is clearly salvation in the here and now. Yes, your observation. I, I think this is. I think this is one of the struggles people have with this passage. Your observation around um, this could be any time is actually lived out um, in the sense that there is has always been a part of the church that thinks we are living in end times. <laughs> Always, always. <laughs> and so far they have always been wrong. <laughs> um, uh, but there is this, but where they're right is the sense that this is something for now. Yes. This is something for my time. This is something to be, ex not, not to be projected off into the future, but actually to be lived out now. Mm. So... So once you get that bit right, unfortunately, this has been so linked with this end times stuff that as soon as we see, gee, I'm in living in famines and plagues and wars, um, we, we start to describe this as end times. And sadly, in a lot of cases, this becomes a reason not to work or not to endure. Yeah, it becomes it becomes a testimony against rather than a testimony for Christ. Um, it comes uh, in a, in the sense that it's a testimony. Um, uh, it's a testimony that you know we're the good guys. We're going to heaven, and you're the bad guys. Join us or else. You know, it's that kind of it's that kind of testimony. That's yet yet here. There is this um, there is this beautiful call to simply endure. Yeah. And and within this endurance, you will actually find salvation, not in the sense of off in the future, but in the sense of now. Your hearts will be filled, your souls will be filled with yes. the very spirit of God, and you will know what it is to live salvation out. Yeah, it's good, eh? Mm, there's a lot here, and it's it. This is where it's kind of important that we have these discussions. Um, there's so much to be um, for us to be careful about in the quick interpretations that we've been given by our traditions. Very thankful for my tradition, quite frankly, um, but that doesn't mean I swallow the whole lot of it. 
that doesn't mean I don't believe that you know the evangelical tradition I've that I was given as a child um, is not something I'm deeply deeply thankful for I, I most certainly am but that doesn't mean it's not a tradition with all of the limitations of a tradition it's given me eyes to see but um, also um, a, a trust in God to um, look further um, and perhaps not to be threatened by the idea that maybe this isn't what I was told first. Yeah. So I do think there's space for an openness here. And you can see, uh, hopefully people can see, that, that the way you've described this reading, this gospel reading, is quite is consistent with it. It's not like the only possible interpretation is the way, um, you know, our traditions have told us to read them, to read it. That's not the only possible way to read this responsibly. That's right. And let's remember that, you know, as you say, you know, traditions, some traditions will say things very differently. Mm. And there's another tradition which comes from uh, Judaism where the rabbis would say, well, six of us can read this passage and come up with six different understandings and interpretations yes. of it. Yes. And we've got, we don't have conflict. We've got six interpretations. Yeah. Which, uh, is, enjoy which is, dare I say, it, the reality we live in. Well, and it's uh, not just that. It's it's the yeah. reality of how to use Scripture well. You know, this idea that yeah. Scripture must say one thing, otherwise it's confusing and God wouldn't confound us. And I'm like, well, yeah. if you want to hold to the inerrancy argument, that's, that's what you're yeah. going to get. Yeah. But the people from the people who both A wrote the scripture and mm. B, you know, two thirds of it belongs to them. The other third, while it was written by, you know, written within a Christian context, it was written predominantly by people who came out of that culture, out of that understanding of this is what the text is for. Um, there is the scripture isn't about telling us what to do, it's about giving us wisdom so we can work out what to do. And if we can read a story, read a passage, read something that, that's there and glean the wisdom of it, that's where we find the life in Scripture. That's where it's living, that I can see it today and it'll say this and I can see it tomorrow and it'll say that. And it's not that those two things are contradictory because I don't think yeah. they're ever going to say completely different things. Yeah. What they will do is feed wisdom. And wisdom will always, I mean, if you read Proverbs, wisdom always brings about um, the right the right end, the right product. Mm. Um, so for us to dig around scripture like this and to, to do that, I guess we've got to also remember too that um, if what's recorded here, and we don't know, mm. if what's recorded here are the words of Jesus, um, then there is no hindsight to work with you um no no that's right you know so yeah. if you were the disciples um and and i guess this is the thing i guess some would say well the, the way you've read it some theologians say the way you've read it, it's probably more akin to john than luke maybe um the way that john uh, sees things but I think that's the point. And I don't think Jesus' disciples were completely numb to that, although Jesus mm. had to remind them a few times. And this is the thing, when Jesus gets cranky with the disciples, when Jesus says, think again, or you've missed the point, what he's really saying is, is that, no, guys, think deeper. 
Think yeah. deeper. Bread. You know, we thought you were going to bring, you know, bring the bread or whatever. No, no, no. Forget the bread. It's not about the bread. Yeah. Think, think deeper. Think deeper. Right. What an what an invitation the disciples are in that sense. Um, the disciples making all their mistakes and getting all things these things wrong. Yep. That is such an invitation for us to boldly fail in our attempts to understand. Well, maybe not be wrong, but be told that's great. Now think deeper. Yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah. that's good too. Yeah. Now think deeper. Or as yes. uh, Rabbi Lawrence yes. Kushner would put it, now turn the gem. Now what do you see? <laughs> what do you see now that the light's shining yeah. through it this way? Yeah. Now turn the gem again. Yes. Now what do you see? What beauty is there? Yes. Um, yes. Anyhow, I think what's really mm -hmm. beautiful too is that, um, I did, and I didn't force this reading. I just want to make sure that makes sense because I, I really sat with this one yeah, quite yeah. some time. This is, of all of them, I, I read the others, but I did Lectio on this. Mm. Um uh, but the way that in our conversation tonight, we've seen how this reading fits the other readings in terms of participation mm. in God's work, about what salvation is, about what it means. I mean, look, creation of new heavens and new earth, Isaiah's talking about that very thing. And yet, as we said, this is about participating and bringing salvation, not for me, but for we. And that's exactly what we're seeing here, not just and I guess Jesus is reinforcing it's for for we, but there's something in it for you too. You you will find life as you participate yeah. like this. You'll find, and again, that I love that word fargo, that word soul from the Hebrew scriptures. Direct the direct mm. aftermath. I love that the aftermath <laughs> of God breathing life into a person and therefore making them an ensouled being. <laughs> Oh, that, yes. that definition yes. is so amazing. Yeah. Uh, even and just what if God? Okay. What if God is just using the chaos around us? Yes. To do exactly that. Yeah. To breathe the very spirit of God into us. Because when we're engaged with it and trying to bring God's life, when all that's going on, as that whole mm. passage talks about, we suddenly go. I'm participating. Yes. And yes. we discover what life truly should be about. Yes. I'm participating and you and this is life. Yes. This is what we were created for. This is where we find life as we participate in what God is doing. Which, which is which is faith, isn't it? I mean that's just faith. Which is pretty much it's just trust. I guess a beautiful yeah. theme for these four readings. Yeah. Yeah. This coming Sunday, the 23rd well, this makes Sunday me, um, after Pentecost. Tempted to join a liturgical church for this <laughs> Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> which I can't do because I'm busy running the church I'm at. <laughs> we have. Which well, I love, yeah. of course. I'm not, I'm not bagging it out. Hi, <laughs> hi, listeners from Mark's church. <laughs> We love you. Maybe they'll want to. They'll, maybe they'll be starting to go. We really should need to follow the lectionary. Well, maybe that. Maybe they will. They'll have to approach me on that. That would be a big change well, for me to make. Yeah. <laughs> year A. Year A starts in just a couple of weeks, folks. So it does. I've got two weeks to convince them. You get in. Oh, maybe two weeks for them of, to come. The merits of the lectionary. The merits of the lectionary, indeed. And to be honest, you know, I was going to throw this in, but I didn't. Just before we close off, you know, I read. 
Luke 21, verse 5 to 19, which was the gospel reading that we've just mm. talked about. I, I read that, uh, you know, in preparation for tonight, at the very first read, and I went, oh, can't we have another one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But this is the beauty of the lectionary. It forces mm. us to sit with it and to think and to pray and to contemplate and to read yeah. carefully and to yes. say, God, where is your spirit taking this? Yes. This is why I love the lectionary, because I would have never have come to that. If this had come across my desk and I had a choice, yeah. I immediately would have gone, give me another gospel. Yeah, that's The right. fact that I had to sit with this and grapple with it and wrestle with it, mm. uh, I really think I've done something that's brought life yeah. to my heart. Yeah. And that's the... Um... That's that. That's the joy and the fruit of all of this. It's the fruit of these discussions. Um, you know, we see things as a result of. I, I see things as a result of looking through your eyes in the scripture that I probably won't see myself. Yeah. And 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 vice versa. Vice versa. There's. Um, but this is a this is a microcosm of what the church is supposed to be, a community wrestling with scripture all the time and a community not united because uh, around common language or common nationality or common skin color or anything like that common ancestral culture um none of that is big enough to unite us what unites us is the life death and resurrection of jesus yeah. and our trust in this and willingness willingness to learn life from here uh, imagine if uh, you and I, we find ourselves getting excited over these scriptures because we see new things through each other's eyes as we talk. Yeah. There's two of us. There's two of us from <laughs> a relatively, you know, from a relatively similar cultural background. Um, what if what if this is a microcosm of the the breadth of the church that is supposed to be doing this together um and maybe there are points around the globe where that, where that really does happen um but i i love the I, I love that thought i kid you not i sat like i couldn't can't even i i i sat with a guy who'd never read scripture before this might have been the second or third time we've got together and we're reading in the beginning of John, I think it was. I can't remember the details of it, but I remember in the middle of this conversation thinking, you have just helped me see something I could never see on my own. Yeah. Um, he was from Afghanistan with a, um, uh, yeah, you know, a, a different religious background. Um, different experience in, in, and expectations in what it looked like to approach scripture. And, and I remember sitting there thinking, I'm so glad I'm in conversation with you around this passage because I could not have seen what you've seen on my own. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's why, that's why we do this. I think that's why I'm doing this. Don't yes, absolutely. You, but that's why I'm doing this. And this is why every week we say we hope that not only will you join with us in conversation by sending us emails and, and um, you know, um, 
commenting on blog posts or over at um, you know, sending DMs to hmm. my Twitter or my Instagram account, but that you'll find people around you uh, that you can do this with. Um, yes. Mark and I yeah. have um, the great joy of being able to do this together once a week. Find someone, find people uh, that yeah. you can do this with. Um, yeah. Maybe if you're a part of a home group, maybe next year the focus shouldn't be let's have one mm. person teach, but let's all read our scripture and then just have three minutes yeah. each to share around the circle and then yeah. go and have a cup of tea and have some all these conversations going in the room. What, how big could we leave yeah. having yeah. poured our little bit? Uh, yeah. So much there. The 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, what a joy to work through these readings about participating and what God's mm. doing and ultimately a broader definition of salvation. Isaiah 65, verses sure. 70 to 25, Isaiah 12, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 13, and Luke 21, verses 5 to 19. And as always, please make sure that you, you take the opportunity to connect with us. Send us an email at betweentwosundays at gmail.com. Jump over to Mark's blog at um, barefootfollower.life and leave comments there. Uh, grab uh, or jump on at, at monkindocs at Instagram or Facebook and leave comments there or send me a direct message. If something, you know, if there's nothing there that looks like you can address it, send me a DM, say, hey, I was listening to the show. This is what I did. Talk to us, engage with us. We want to hear what you're finding out of these readings and how they're bringing you life too. And if it's an old episode, meh, don't worry about it. Um, if it's an episode, you know, if it's episode three, send us an email about it. We'd love to hear because uh, we, can, we can only grow. Um, yeah. and, that, and that's our hope, yeah. which is, as Mark said, why we do this every week, mm. not just because we mm. want to be two white guys who've um, put out another podcast. That's <laughs> it for another week, man. Thank you, mate. Great to see you. Yeah, you too, man. And uh, folks, we hope that you'll join us again next week for another Between Two Sundays as we get closer to the end of uh, Year C and um, ready to kick off in Advent Year A. A couple of weeks to go, but until we get there, it's bye for now and uh, go well. See ya. <laughs>